Fat Leads, how are you doing? So I'm excited about episode four of the podcast. I had Andrea Lowell um, as a guest, and Andrea is a certified raw food nutritionist, a personal trainer. Um, she co-hosts the Mr. Skin podcast. Um, she's an actress. She's so... I can keep on going. Um, so many accolades, and, and she was gracious enough to come join me on the podcast. Um, please follow her on Instagram, superfitbyandrea. Uh, her Twitter handle is the real Andrea Lowell, and um, her website is superfitbyandrea. If you let her know that you heard about her website uh, from the Fatboy Jiu-Jitsu podcast, she's... Um, uh, going to hook you guys up with a special deal. I don't know what it is. Um, follow her, check out her website. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Let me know, um, what you liked, what Hello, you didn't welcome, like. Fat um, leads. And, and thank you enjoy. for listening to this episode of the fat boy pad podcast. Um, this episode's very special. I have a very special guest, um, that was willing to come on the fat boy podcast she is the former host of the Playboy Radio Morning Show, uh, Playboy Playmate, actress, current co-host of the Mr. Skin Podcast, fitness model, and raw food nutritionist, Andrea Lowell. Thank you, Andrea, for coming on today. Wow, that was quite the introduction, Juan. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I do have to clear up one little issue though because if i don't the playmates and the bunnies and the mansion are going to kill me i'm not actually a playboy playmate and i know that information is out there oh. um, and there's a lot of people who believe i am but i've never been a centerfold but i have done 29 playboy special edition pictorials plus two covers that i know of so that's why there's the uh, the bad information out there so uh, well, i stand to put corrected. that out there in case a bunny's listening i don't want them to get upset <laughs> So Playboy uh, takes it pretty seriously. So oh, I can imagine. No, thank you for coming out. Thank you for agreeing to this. I don't know how um this is I'm very lucky that you decided well, to do this. You know, your vibe attracts your tribe and you and I, you know, seem to have found each other by some sort of bigger gravitational force. <laughs> Probably me being the force <laughs> itself. <the> bigger gravitational <laughs> wow. So I think we kind of got hooked up. Uh, because potentially the Joey Diaz um, podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I yes. love listening to Joey. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Nicole, big fan of his. Meeting each other, and that's how magic happens. So thanks for having me. No, like I said, thank you for coming coming on. And I wanted to ask you off the, off the cuff because mm -hmm. I'm not. I don't know the difference between the raw diet or okay. a traditional like vegan or vegetarian diet. Okay, so a vegetarian diet is one that includes, well, it, it excludes meat, poultry, mm -hmm. uh, but could include, not always, but could include eggs, could include yogurt, milk, cheese, whatever. Um, a vegan diet is absolutely no animal products at all. So we're talking no milk, no honey, um, nothing. And now a raw diet, there's so many different types of raw diets, and they kind of get lumped in. Uh, 
or misunderstood because there's some really famous kind of raw food people out there on social media, like Fully Raw Christina, for example. She's a very famous raw foodist, but she's a fruitarian. So that means that she eats pretty much all fruit plus tender leafy greens. So that's what people think raw foodism is. But you could be a raw foodist and eat beef tartare, eat raw cheese, eat raw milk. Um, it basically means that you're getting the bulk of your calories from a raw food source and um, that you're not heating your food over 118 degrees. Because once you heat food over 118 degrees, the enzymes uh, get murdered pretty much and the nutrients get degraded. So a raw foodist could be a vegetarian raw foodist. It could be a vegan raw foodist. Um, you could be like me and be a raw super foodist, which is someone who just eats the highest quality um, and most nutrient dense foods on the planet without raising the temperature above that holy grail of temperatures, which is 118 degrees. So that's kind of all those different diets um, summarized. But if you have any further questions, I'd be more than happy to answer. Wow. Um, I just didn't realize it was broken down that far. Oh, and I can break it down even further. <laughs> like, there's so much to, to learn. And I've been studying raw food for years, well over a decade. And I became a certified raw food nutritionist after I had been living a raw life for several years. And I just decided I wanted to really know as far deep down the rabbit hole as I could go into what I was really doing to my own body and then helping other people to do that as well. But it's, there's a lot of factors that go into why someone would even go raw and it takes a lot of research and, uh, People don't really want to change their diet habits. So without research and education, it's probably something people wouldn't just start doing. But once you start researching it, you're kind of like, oh, shit, why haven't I been doing this sooner? <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I tried and I've been trying to do keto and just learning about how to maintain ketosis and, and you know, mm -hmm. mainly staying away from anything that's processed, uh, refined sugars. And, and that's really what I've been keeping out of my diet more so right. than anything else. Yeah. I, I, still I mean, eat a lot of bread I'm sometimes. not a big proponent of ketogenic diets because in my opinion, they're not sustainable. So it's like, how can we really stay in a keto diet um, for the rest of our lives? Or do we want to keep cycling in and out of it the rest of the, our lives? To me, that seems like a lot of work. Um, and I think something as beautiful as our diet, something as crucial to our life and our happiness as our diet should be something that we should be able to, you know, really live life freely, not worry about, oh, I need to go back on this or off of this or track this or track that. Um, but I do know that it, I understand the science behind it. I think scientifically speaking, it works. Um, I just wonder of prolonged health benefits, um, and doing it smartly and wisely, but you pretty much nailed the nailed it right on the head there with eliminating the crap. Anything, any diet anyone goes on, once we do something that's really toward our health, all the crap is going to be naturally filtered out. So I'm happy with the fact that you have cut out refined sugars and the processed junk by doing keto. I just wonder if it's something that you feel you might be able to sustain forever or how you're doing it. Oh, definitely not sustaining keto at all. I like I, I'll still eat rice, and I'm not. I try. I like I like the science, and I'm. But it's so yeah, hard. And bread is so delicious. Yes. Bread and rice is so delicious. You know. So, but I I do do um, 
zucchini zucchini pasta with uh, right. turkey meat sauce, and, mm-hmm. and and I use zucchini a lot as pasta, but right. um, but there's still sometimes where I'll eat bread and 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 I know it and um. <laughs> it's so funny that we we take such shame in eating bread. It's like so one. How much do you weigh? I am 342 pounds, and I'm very proud of that solely because a couple months ago, you I was 385. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a lot of weight and not a lot of time. No. But I ask because you being 342 currently today and me being like 115 today, we no matter who we are, no matter what our lifestyle is, no matter what our diet is, we have this shame and guilt over wanting and eating bread. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. You're absolutely right. And I think it's really because the the food landscape that we're living in, bread is not what bread used to be like, you know, a century ago when it was literally three ingredients, you know, pure, organic, real flour, mm-hmm. water, yeast, and maybe like some salt, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're getting bread that's like 40 ingredients, shelf-stable, doesn't start to mold for weeks, uh, you know, has all these weird additives and preservatives and chemicals in it. So it's no wonder that our bodies can't handle them or process them or when we eat them that our body holds on to the calories. It's just we're, we've deviated so far from how food should be that when we eat something that's processed and non-nutritive, our body kind of doesn't know how to handle it and we end up gaining weight. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, but, yeah, bread is... Bread is a bitch, man, because it's so bomb. So I'll share with you one of my secrets, uh, and this is going to sound so basic, so easy. You're going to be like, bitch, that's not a secret. But (laughs) (laughs) what is it? It works for me, and it works for my clients. I, too, have a problem with bread. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no self-control over it. I'll buy a loaf, and I'll tell myself time and time again, I'm going to have a piece. Then it's like, okay, I'll have two pieces, whatever. Five minutes later, I'm going back to the kitchen and I'm toasting up two more pieces. And then I'm putting like different toppings on them. And then I'm like, fuck it. I already had four. Might as well have half the loaf. Then I'm like, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. (laughs) And it's gone in like a day or two. So it's like, what is this insanity going on? This me not having willpower over it. Me lying to myself at the grocery store, telling myself it's going to be different this time when Time and time again, no matter how long I go in between buying bread, it's always the same shit. So I just don't buy it. And people are like, how is that a secret? Because it's really hard for people to not buy it. Um, But it's easier to say no at the grocery store than to say no when it's in your kitchen. Staring at it every day. And that's kind of – so I don't eat sweets or anything, and I won't. Right. Unless they're mm-hmm. in the house, and my wife, yes. my wife right now, she's pregnant, and wait, what do you mean your wife right now? You had another wife before? No, no, no. <laughs> well, as as in right now, so I'm kind of giving her, I'm giving her a pass with bringing in kind of ice creams and stuff like that because yes, she is yes. pregnant, and oh, so she's so sweet. She's kind of well, the first in the during the first pregnancy, I gained sixty pounds. You gained sixty. I pounds. gained sixty pounds, and and part of it was um. We'd go out to eat, and she she was like, oh, I want to eat this, this, and this. And she would order, like, a meal or appetizer and a meal. Mm-hmm. And um, halfway into the appetizer, she's like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat. My, I'm, I'm sick. I'm nauseous. And throughout the whole pregnancy, it was like this. 
and I was like, oh, well, I'm paying for this shit. Let me eat it. And I would eat the appetizer, eat my meal and her meal just oh, so yeah. she wouldn't feel bad. And, um, yeah, I gained 60 pounds during um, her first pregnancy. So I told her this time, I'm like, this is not going to work out that way because uh, I, can't, I can't be going into 400 pounds. And that's, you know, unhealthy. Oh, right. Absolutely, because you want to be the best dad you can be possible, and if you want to keep the healthiest life and lifestyle, be able to keep up with your kids, you know, you gotta you gotta keep it tight, keep it right. And I'm so happy to hear that you've lost such an incredible amount of weight in such a short time, and that you do have questions because I feel if we ever stop researching our diet, we're fools. It's like science is always evolving. And there is science and there is data to back up almost everything. But then we have to go beyond that. Who's funding these studies? Mm-hmm. Is there someone to gain monetarily from this? You know, and it go, it trickles down to all kind of areas of medicine and science. So we really have to be diligent about figuring out what really we're doing to our bodies because we only got one shot in this body. And so we need to do our best to make it right. So how far along is she into this pregnancy? She is, we're doing August about August 9th. So Okay. And you're losing right now. And I'm losing and I'm steadily losing. So that's 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 a plus. Yeah, absolutely. And but I can hear you. Go back smiling. to your point. <laughs> it when it's out of the house, you know, the bad food, I don't really crave it, but it's when in this in the house you you your willpower, you have to be stronger to yeah. to, to overcome. Mm-hmm. And like there are people who do have incredible willpower. Um, I am not one of those people. So instead of torturing myself, uh, feeling shame or having a guilt trip over my lack of willpower that I'm very much aware of, I'm just going to stop putting myself in that position by just not buying it. And, you know, I, I used to have a problem with those dark chocolate covered power berries that they sell at Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. And they also have like a Brookside variety. It's actually the same thing, just different packaging at like Costco and, they'd always be right at the checkout. Oh, uh, those Trader Joe's. And if taste you're so good. listening from an area where you don't have a Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's is just a market we have. Um, and I'd always tell myself, I'm going to have two, I'm going to have three, I'm going to have a handful. And I'd always eat the whole bag within two days. So I just stopped buying them. And at first it was kind of torturous. I would stand there at the checkout, you know, the person in front of me taking forever. And I'm just staring at them and I'm like, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And I ultimately chose no. And after saying no a couple of times, whether it be bread, whether it be power berries, whether it be this, that, or the other, eventually you kind of just stop seeing it and that obsession leaves and you now feel so much better because you're not putting crap into your body and being dragged down by the toxins and the pollutants and all this other fake sugar bullshit. So once you start feeling better, you don't even want to eat that crap. So saying no at the grocery store is definitely something I recommend to, I would say, 95% of my clients. There's only that 5% of my either training clients or nutrition clients who really have no problem at all with something. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't have a problem. Well, let's think. Is it cookies? Is it cake? Is it alcohol? Is it pizza? Is there something where when you tell yourself you're just going to have a bite, you can't have more? And it's not always food. People can obsess over anything. So I think kind of practicing that principle of just not allowing it at all, letting it trickle down into other areas of our lives actually leads to a more kind of well-rounded mental, spiritual, emotional health. That's, uh, it's, 
incredible and I wish it upon everyone, but it's, it's a journey for sure. So do you have any other problem foods you need me to help you say no to? <laughs> it's not problem foods. It's, you know, I used to have a problem mentality really. And it was, um, okay, so I'm not going to do this. I won't eat this. I won't eat this. And if I make it through that, I can eat this. So the problem was rewarding myself with food. And using that as uh, as motivation, and and it's not easy to to change that, uh, especially when that's what you're used to. But um, I think that Absolutely. that has helped me a lot. But yeah, the fact that you've already identified that, that you know that you're doing this, you know, abstinence from certain things, and you're not eating them, you're getting results, and then your reward is eating like shit. The fact that you've already identified that means you're already on the road to success because so many people get trapped in that cycle and aren't even aware of it. And I'll be, you know, we'll be doing a nutritional consultation and I'll be taking notes and I clearly identify it and I write it down and circle it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like people can be in total denial. So the fact that you've already accepted it and understood it really is, is a great sign. It means you're already halfway there to succeeding. So it's kind of getting you out of that, getting you out of a diet that makes you feel like you're suffering, that you feel like you need a reward, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I also have people that they'll lose a certain amount of weight and then they'll relapse into poor food because they deserve it or they can afford it because they're, you know, 11% body fat and they can start eating this shit again. And it's like, no. So Because you're going to snap right back. Yeah, exactly. So we have to shift the perspective of, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight too. I want to be healthy. And as soon as we put the focus on health, the weight falls off and then there's no rebounding and there's no kind of um, deprivation reward scenario going on. But that shift in perspective, I mean, that's a major psychic shift uh, that has to happen in the heart, in the head, you know, in unison. And until we can kind of get people to understand that a healthy life will keep them out of the doctor, you know, for the long term, uh, keep those medical co-pays down, you know, avoid terminal illnesses down the line. Once they get to be from that perspective, then they're a lot more willing. But so many people are in denial. Well, and it's hard to, to, to agree, you know, to think about that about yourself. Like, oh, shit, this yeah. is the type of person I am. And yeah. there was something else you know, that happened, um, recently I stopped drinking as a bet. That's awesome. Um, well that and eating red meat. Um, but for, for like you're already halfway to raw one. Well, <laughs> apparently. So I, I, I take this, I do this bet and then I started realizing, I go, man, I kind of like myself being sober. I, yeah. I have more fun at these parties or whatever, these get togethers. And I don't, there's not that chance of the asshole coming out because sometimes when I <laughs> I get drunk I black out and you know and I think I'm having a good time I, I think everybody's having a good time then I hear the next day some stories I'm like shit I probably shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have done that <laughs> and um, I, I I was telling a family member this and and they were like well maybe you shouldn't not drink because of this you know because it never it, it only happens once in a while and I said well but the fact that it happens at all is proof enough that I probably shouldn't be doing it. I agree with you. Um, typically people that like to promote other people drinking, um, 
you know, oh no, you should drink more, even though you feel great and you like the fact that you're not making an ass of yourself and having blackouts, but you should, but you should drink again. Think about that. That's crazy. That's usually people who are trying to co-sign their own drinking problem by asking you to drink with them, if that makes sense. Ooh, I it, think it, about it's that. pretty sick. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I deal with people's drinking problems. I deal with people's food problems. So that person probably sees that they're, they're probably recognizing some of you in them, and they don't want to be singled out. So they want you to keep keep on keeping on with the bad behavior. But what I noticed was, when I toned down my partying, um, I lost eight pounds in a month just by not drinking um, for a month wow. and not changing anything but the alcohol. And that is such a, a a large percentage of your actual body weight Yeah. at 115 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. And it was so funny because at that point in my life, you know, I, I was in the gym five days a week. I had been working with a trainer for close to a decade, uh, a really good one too. I was on a calorie deficit diet that paid no attention to nutrients. It was like lean cuisines, like, you know, mm. bullshit diet food, um, tons of hot sauce on everything because everything just tasted like ass. And I could not lose the last like six to 10 pounds. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And I was doing everything right. I even calculated my drinking calories into my like 1300 calorie a day diet and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and that was because at that point I hadn't done the research on how detrimental alcohol is to reaching fitness goals and I stopped drinking because I just I I got to a place where I was like okay I'm only making bad decisions so I'm gonna tone this down it had nothing to do with my weight because I didn't understand the science then mm -hmm. and as soon as that Four weeks passed. I was like, holy shit, I have a six-pack? What? I was just like, I'm never drinking again. Uh, I mean, it's truly, truly mind-boggling to think that something that we think is as benign as having a few glasses of red wine or drinking shots of tequila or just having fun and letting loose with our buddies would be that inhibiting to our fitness goals. It's absolutely baffling. And um, so when I take on new clients, one of the first things I always ask, you know, aside from other beverages they're drinking and stuff, but is what's their alcohol consumption? And if I see a pattern that it's often or consistent or a lot, I say, please stop drinking for a month and let's see what happens. And every single time they lose a lot of weight. So I think if you and the listeners were just to try that simple step alone, no matter what their diet is, no matter what their perspective on nutrition or health or even well, from a fitness that they enjoy doing, they'll they'll get some great results. And it's and cheaper. And it's worth it. And you're a cheaper date. And you're a cheaper date. Oh, my gosh. Okay, on that point, <laughs> let me tell you. So I didn't realize how much money I was spending on alcohol because, you know, uh, what what's a $20 bottle of wine here or a $13 glass of wine there mm -hmm. or, you know, buying a round of shots for people? You really don't think it's that much when you separate it out. Um, but when you're drinking a lot and every day and your tolerance keeps getting higher and higher and you're kind of in my circle, I was known as the, Hey, Andrea is going to buy drinks for everyone type of person. Uh -huh. Um, you know, the enabler, <laughs> I wanted everyone else to be drunk too. 
you want to be the life of the party. And that's exactly uh, yeah. my attitude. And I like taking care of people. I've always loved being kind of like a sugar mama, uh, you know, and, you know, especially when you're younger, when you're in your 20s and people really aren't making that much money. Mm-hmm. I've been very blessed with my career that I've always been taking care of uh, through my job and through you know, my income. So I loved just treating my friends to really nice alcohols and wines and hotels. And I just, I love doing that for them because, you know, they were struggling. So And it's a great feeling the, to provi- help provide for your friends. Absolutely. And so I didn't, I had no idea how much I was spending because I just never thought about it. When I stopped drinking, I was probably six months in to really not partying at all. And I thought there was something really wrong with my bank because I did my online checking and I was like, where is all this money coming from? There has to be a glitch. Like this is fucking awesome. Like (laughs) (laughs) I told my husband uh, and he was like, um, it's your partying. And I was like, there's no way, no way in hell. And then when he broke it down for me, he's like, when was the last time you got like, you know, a penthouse hotel room and then bought everyone alcohol and party favors and whatever else. When was the last time you went to happy hour with your friends? Like, you know, I was one of those, um, wine snobs that I never drank like two buck chuck in my life. So (laughs) even though I was drinking, you know, maybe not that, that much, I was drinking really expensive stuff. Um, and it added up. So let me kind of appeal to your listeners this way too. If you don't care about losing weight as a motivation to tone down the drinking, think of your bank account. I mean, it adds up like a motherfucker. Uh, it's it it's toning down my partying is probably the best decision I ever made in my life. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> and it helps you with motivation the next morning. Absolutely. Saturday morning, yeah. and you're not drunk and hungover until three. Shit, yeah. I went to. Um, when was this? It was before the new year. I went to a wedding and I got mm-hmm. shit fit. It was November. As actually, I think the weekend my wife and I conceived the baby. Um, Ooh, look at you. <laughs> so we got trashed at my buddy's wedding and I didn't feel good. It was Monday and I still felt like shit. You know, we're not 19 anymore. And no, a I'm lot not. of people don't want to stop the party train because let's be for real. The party train is fun. Who wants to stop the party train? But the fact is, we're not getting any younger. And it takes so much longer for our bodies to recover. And we're putting our body through so much stress that we don't realize until we do start getting over older, rather. And it takes us longer to recover. And we feel like total shit. And there's nothing we can do to alleviate that. So then a lot of times we'll self-medicate from a hangover. And we'll, we'll go to, to a diner, let's say, and order the greasiest, nastiest thing in order to make that hangover feel better. But then we're just continuing that cycle of drinking, bad eating, guilt, shame, trying to undo it. Maybe we're going to do a detox diet or go super ketogenic for a while or try to do a raw food cleanse or this or that. And then we just keep perpetuating this cycle. So I think what I'm really kind of taking away the most from this, for, for me personally, is for people to really figure out and isolate what is that one damn thing that keeps tripping you up. I know for me it was partying for sure. Um, so I think if people can really take a step back and look 
and see what that one trigger is that keeps just messing them up and kind of leading to a downward spiral. Um, and then that perpetual cycle, they're really going to um, find some great relief by just identifying what these issues are. But it takes a lot of uh, balls to look at yourself and to scrutinize yourself. And to tell yourself um, that you've been doing this wrong for a long time. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow. It really, really is. Um, you know, I had been researching how to be healthy for so long and I just didn't want to do it the way I'm doing it now. I wanted a magic pill. I wanted a trainer to tell me to do five more reps. Get fit tea? On, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the truth. It's like, I, I didn't want to take accountability for my own results. It's so crazy. Um, and as soon as we take accountability and really start deciding what's the best diet for my goals, what's the best diet for my long-term health, that's how we're going to get success. And like I said much earlier, when we put our health first, the weight will fall off. And there's no struggle when you're focusing on health. You're absolutely right. If you were, and, and the quality of food. Absolutely. Yeah, the quality of food is so important. And Americans, but I know people all over the world, because I have international clients as well, we think that because something's on a store shelf, it's healthy because the government approved it, FDA, the USDA. They won't let you sell that. If, if exactly. it's that bad for you, they won't let you sell it. Bullshit. They straight have known carcinogens, which are cancer-causing agents, in children's foods. They have chemical additives and food colorings that have been scientifically proven time and time again to cause behavioral disorders. Um, you know, foods that are banned in 30 other countries, we allow with very liberal limits on them, where in other countries it's like, like oh, I forget the name of it. It might be like uh, azobicarbamine, or I don't, I don't know what the name of it is. But if you're in Indonesia and you're even caught holding it or it's in your possession, you get fined $250,000. Wow. And this is an ingredient that we allow in our bread. But it's okay, and Andrea, because we don't have marijuana that's legal. Exactly. It's like, so we can't take nature's gift to us as the number one medicine on the planet, but we can keep poisoning ourselves. It's like, hmm, so why would they perpetually want to keep us sick and not let us take nature's answer? Is there someone to gain from this? So that's where it's like really going down that rabbit hole and a lot of people they just stay ignorant to it and complacent to it because they don't want to go down the rabbit hole because if you realize that you've been lied to and that everything you think you believe is wrong you have to change everything mm -hmm. and people don't want to change but i will say you know i started my nosedive into i guess you could call it conspiracy um back in 2007 and I never looked back. I just kept going and I, I didn't lead with fear. It was terrifying to find out that everything is not for us. You know, everything's kind of against us, but you can either have two choices. You can be scared and not do shit, or you can empower yourself with knowledge and take the best choices to circumnavigate the bullshit. And I think, but I think another issue is the fact that a lot of people, um, myself included, you know, we come mm -hmm. from middle class families or lower middle class families and mm -hmm. and it's so much cheaper to buy shit food. Absolutely. And it's designed that way. Why would a cheeseburger 
be cheaper than a fucking salad mm-hmm. at McDonald's, for example. And by the way, I've been McDonald's sober since 2005. Uh, they can kiss my motherfucking ass. I, will, I won't give them a cent of my money. They are such a horrific company. Um, but it's like, you know, that little salad you can get at McDonald's, it's literally lettuce, crap tomatoes, maybe some croutons on that bitch, and like some gross-ass sliced cucumbers. Why is produce $5 and a cheeseburger, which is, you know, the whole dairy industry, cattle farming, this, that, or the other. Um, you got the, the bread. Animal, agric- animal agriculture, the, the bread processing, mm-hmm. the produce processing, all that, all the people's jobs involved with producing that hamburger. Why the fuck is that cheaper than a vegetable? So there's a systematic um, kind of targeting at the middle class, lower middle class, and underprivileged to really keep people sick and keep people in this state of unrest and dis-ease straight up. And uh, the more I've researched into it, the more and more it becomes very, very clear to me. That's why I really try to teach people that we can eat a pretty reasonably priced um, whole food, plant-based diet by keeping it simple. Um, you know, a lot of people look at my diet and they'll be like, oh my gosh, raw seems so complicated. It's like, bitch, I'm not making a raw cheesecake every night for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing what Juan's doing. We're spiralizing some zucchini. Like even for breakfast, I just eat fruit for breakfast. Is there anything more simple on this earth? There's no preparation. There's nothing. You just eat it. And if it's an apple, you throw away the core. Or if it's like an apricot, you, you throw the seed away. There's no prep necessary really in a super simple whole food plant-based raw diet. So I always have to kind of let people know you can eat vegan on the cheap. You can eat vegetarian on the cheap. You can eat raw on the cheap. It just depends on how, how simple you're willing to go. And even though I could afford to live a more exotic diet lifestyle, I actually choose to keep my diet simple because it's less stress on me. I don't, I'm lazy. I'd much rather eat three apples for breakfast or eat a whole pineapple for breakfast than like try to make something fancy just so I can take a picture of it and post it to my Instagram. <laughs> but it's, it's so much more satisfying when you show it off. I know. And it's so <laughs> funny because I have clients that are, you know, um, that are taking my upgrade to raw eight week online program. And they're just like, oh, my gosh, does everything have to be complicated like your Instagram post? I go, listen, homie, how often am I posting a food picture? I go, I'm eating all day long every day, and I'm, like, kind of posting once every three days um, a picture, and I pretty much make that thing just to post it, you know, to inspire people to know that you can have really yummy-tasting food and wild, exotic creations. But the fact is I'm eating super simple 95% of the time. Uh, It just makes my life way easier. And also I'm a superfoodist too. So I don't need to be making these wildly creative dishes because for me, I'm more about the nutrient value of food than how pretty it looks. So sometimes I just make stuff just for Instagram. Like today I made some, um, it was really bizarre, um, but it was really super bomb. It was a uh, papaya pasta. So just like you would do your zucchini, zucchini mm-hmm. I took a an underripe papaya and I, I shaved it on my mandolin. So with these little teeth that make it like very, very fine angel hair pasta. Okay. Uh, so it, it's like a spiralizer, but way smaller. And uh, holy shit, that was bomb. I was just like, I need to make this again and again and again. 
And, and underripe papaya, made, that's it? Well, I know. I put a whole bunch of stuff on it. Um, but well, I made that for the, I mean, but the main ingredient was the underripe papaya. Absolutely. Okay. That was that was the pasta. And then I added um, – so I made a dressing then. You know, the papaya seeds are very peppery. They're mm-hmm. also super good for you. So I put the papaya seeds in with some tamarind. Okay. Who doesn't love tamarind, right? Um, half of a lemon juice, a little bit of spring water, um, a little bit of raw organic honey, um, no salt. Oh, and cilantro. And I blended that bitch up. And I had – like the seriously, such a good sauce. And then I topped it with more cilantro, red onion, avocado. Uh, and I was just like, there's no guilt in this. I just ate a huge bowl, uh, and it was super tasty and I've never tasted anything else like that. And I just made that based on the ingredients I had in my kitchen and using my intuition, really getting back with nature, aligning with nature. If you eat that way, you will not get sick. I can have all those ingredients in my house and I would never have thought to mix it at all. I know, right? But you get to a point where you just have a pantry or a refrigerator full of ingredients. That's the goal, that we don't have prepackaged stuff, mm-hmm. that we just have all ingredients. So we have to make our food. And uh, that way we know we're, we're filtering out the crap and the preservatives and the chemicals and the stuff that's going to make us sick. Do you think it and helps you if you go to the grocery? I'm sorry, Andrea. I didn't mean that. Um, but because you mentioned something about having you know food in the refrigerator. Do you notice mm-hmm. that it's easier if your clients go to the the supermarket twice a week instead of once just so they can have fresher produce? Yeah, it depends on exactly what their diet is. None of my clients have a same diet at all. Everyone's diets are customized for them. So if someone's doing a high raw or a fully raw diet, and depending on how many people are living in their house, uh, it really depends. Um Certain produce obviously goes bad more quickly than mm-hmm. other does, others do. So the more you eat raw produce, the more of a rhythm you'll get into. You'll know that berries go bad the quickest. You'll know you can leave an onion on the counter for a month and it'll be fine. Um, and it also depends on people's climates, the temperature of their home. There's so many factors going into it. But yes, to answer your question, I, I think going to the store a couple of times a week, I know for me... There's times I go four or five times a week. Um, and I actually, it's kind of embarrassing because I'm like super homies with everyone that works at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the more we take accountability for our food, enjoy the process of buying food and keeping our dishes simple and nutrient forward, uh, we're just going to have success. I mean, I haven't battled my weight in years. And Aside from just like and you look weight loss, awesome. I haven't been sick, Juan. I haven't had a cold. I haven't had a flu. Really? I haven't had a uh, at all. Um, at and I know it's because of my diet. You know, uh, I'm a personal trainer. I'm at a gym um, all the time, touching disgusting ass, dirty weights, benches, this, that, or the other. Um, I'm exposed to major, major illnesses all the time. Even I have clients that come in and are hacking up shit all over me, uh, but. I don't get sick, and I, I, I attribute that to the diet. diet. Yeah. Well, that's awesome! Wow. Crazy, right? Very. <laughs> I, I I love not being sick. I hate it getting good? sick. I got I, I usually get those man flus that you know women hate because I oh, I I you regress mean like you can't handle it or I regress to a three year old. 
That's so funny. When was the last time you had one of those, though? About a year ago. Okay. That's, I mean, at least ago. you missed this flu season. Uh, I had clients that were like taken out for weeks, man. I I got sick, but I kind of we uh, we kind of powered through it, and, and and mainly because we have to. But uh... yeah, you have to. Like life life goes on. So what are we gonna do? So that's why I know. You know, I'm an extremely busy person, and I can't afford to get sick, like, yes. straight up. I can't take a week off. I can't not go train my clients. I can't not be available for my online clients. So it's um, it's something I do to support my lifestyle of I'm always traveling. I'm always going. I'm always helping. How can I help and do all those things if I'm sick myself? So it's uh, it's pretty freeing. I'm uh, I'm actually really curious about your diet. I want to hear I want to hear more about what you're doing, and I want to see if maybe you'd be open to some suggestions, possibly. I will be open to some suggestions. I for sure. I love. I'm a sponge, so if you tell me something, look, look I may try some. I may not try some. I'm not gonna okay. lie to you. There there'd be some things. Oh, I'll do that. And there's some things I'm like, sure. yeah, I don't know about that. And not just maybe because I don't know, you know, what I'm doing yet. Yeah, so I always tell people everything I tell you, anything anyone tells you, I don't care if it's, you know, a headline in in an article or a main story on the news, research further. Always research further. And once you understand something, uh, you're more apt to do it. So I guess we could, I would start by asking you, what's your goal before I, I even find out what you're really doing? What What is your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal is not to be cons- not well not to be morbidly obese and at being at 342 that's what I am and it's it's hard pill to swallow and it, yeah. it, it it's hard to tell people that cuz I don't feel morbidly obese but I am you know and mm-hmm. so my real goal is, is is to get out of there to to be in the 200s and and when I mean 200 like 250 to if I was 250 or when I get to 250, uh, yes, that's, and not, that's and not say, win. And, and I'm not going to say I'm going to stop there or anything, but that's, you know, I'm, that's where I kind of want to be at. I think, uh, you know, that, and, and, and maybe a size 38 waist. Oh, I'll be fucking killing it. That would be awesome. <laughs> so as far as your fitness goes, obviously fat boy jujitsu, how often are you working out? So um, I'm doing jujitsu and I haven't, I actually went to a class two nights ago, and I hadn't been for about three weeks. I recently moved to from Orlando to uh, a small outside city called Fort Myers. It's where happiness okay. goes to die. Um, <laughs> but there's a there's a group, great group of guys, and they do jujitsu, and it's just it's a smaller school. Um, and with me in the process of switching jobs and and, and moving back, I just haven't had given jujitsu enough time recently i totally get that but yeah. i still every day i do some i have a, a little garage gym i call the fat boys lunchbox and i um so i have a rower and i have um i want to say about 360 pounds of of uh just bumper plates and so i make up some stuff um i've been doing a lot of russian twists lately um okay and, and just sit-ups and and you know, I don't like to do a lot of bench pressing or anything, but I like to do some cleans, some some snatches, and mm-hmm. getting back to 
squatting 465. I want to I want to hit break that 500 mark and I've never been able to do it. Yes, Juan. Yes, I'm with you. I'm like I'm like you should see me over here. I'm like <laughs> nodding my head like, "Oh, yes, yes, yes." <laughs> Now, what is the goal with the uh, core work? Because uh, I'm a core expert. My When people come to see me uh, for personal training, they want abs like mine or they want their butt bigger without making their thighs bigger or they're a guy who wants to improve their lifting um, by getting a, just a stronger body and getting the body working synergistically so that the abs can assist with heavy lifting. So what is your real motivation for doing the twists and the sit-ups? So the core workout is just so when I'm doing jujitsu, if I am sitting on my butt or in half guard, I can kind of pull myself up. And in, in jujitsu, you have to use your core, engage your core to kind of be yeah. holding yourself up because otherwise right. it's it's so hard um, to make sure that, you know, you have one hand planted and, and using your one hand to hold your, your upper body weight. If your body can do it, then you can have a free hand to do something else. Right. And that's No, it makes the... a lot of sense, but I I'm I I doubt that sit-ups are going to be helping you do that. Oh, I no, de- I yeah, that's think. I don't think so. That's um that's just more to do something. Got than, you. Than the... And it's hard when you're home. It's like what do I do? Mm-hmm. So that's when we got to get creative. I would love to see you um do some dragging with those plates that you have because you have so many. And one of my favorite things to do is to do like a plank um, with my hands in front of a plate and with the plate behind my hands, just kind of laterally drag it side to side without moving anything but my hands. Mm-hmm. It is such a killer core stabilizer. Um, it'll make your core so strong that you could just spring up on a fool. Um, really? <laughs> with your yeah, I can, um, I can tag you on a video of me doing that. Oh, that'd be awesome. So, yeah, it's so good. And, um, yeah, if anyone wants to follow any of my, um, Super Fit by Andrea is my Instagram. Yes. But yeah, I love what you're doing. I think, you know, we just, I would love to see you squat more. I'd love to see you deadlift. Um, I think, you know, benching's overrated. You've heard me on other podcasts. I like the functional training more. So Mm -hmm. I'm a a bigger fan of push ups and plyo push ups uh, than I am of benching. So I actually been staying away from push-ups um i had a bone a scaphoidectomy a scaphoid bone removed out of my wrist and they put a plate actually it's probably somewhere on my instagram i can tag you in there and i have a plate so i have a plate in my wrist my my mobility is shit in that wrist and i've been trying to um it was it was just as painful and the mobility was just as bad before the surgery I mean, mm-hmm. I had the surgery. It didn't help much. It didn't get much worse. It just stayed the same. So I kind of, I don't know if I should have done the surgery anyways. But, so I, I don't really do push-ups. I can if I put, if I lock out my fingers and just put all my weight on. But, I, I'm you know, you're not using um, your hand right at that point. Right. It, but I, so I try, um, I can do them if I do just like on my knuckles. Um, but I usually stay away from push-ups because of that. So I completely understand that. And of course I have clients, um, but I don't want to make excuses too. Cause that sounds no, like a cop out. No, it's a I, fucking cop out. Cause that's, a, that's, that's another thing. Heavy guy, fat guys do. We, we kind of, Oh, well I'm not going to do this because my knee kind of hurts. And if I do, if I try to fight my knee, cause I've said it to myself before and it's like, 
and I kind of talk myself out of doing something because, oh, I'm a, I am may feel a little bit of pain, but it, is it the discomfort of actually just working out or is it, you know, I'm, in, I'm no. hurt? I, I would say um, I totally understand what you're saying. I have morbidly obese clients myself who do have valid knee pain, but I also have ones that do talk themselves out of stuff because they are either scared of failure or they don't think they're they can support their body weight doing a certain move or whatever. Your hand issue, the push-up issue, is a real issue. And I would never want you to make the injury worse or have to get another surgery by ignoring those signs of pain. There's plenty of other things you can do that don't involve pushing up that are going to give you excellent functional training that will make your chest amazingly um, toned and strong, as well as your triceps and your lats. I'm thinking, for example, you could do lat pullovers on a bench or on the floor with a plate okay um that would be that would be a great substitute um single arm chest presses because if you do a single arm chest press with a dumbbell Mm -hmm. you are going to be working your obliques so i actually do that is it all right if i do as with a kettlebell because i do it with a okay andrew i gotta ask you um i kind of keeping you over your time do you need to go I know you're, I know, I know you're super, super busy and I don't want to keep you, but if you have to go. I will say this, let's, um, let's keep talking, but I will have to probably go in like 10. Okay. If you're cool with that. No, if you're cool, I don't want, I don't want to keep you. I know I I only had you for such a little time and, and I can continue to talk to you. You know what? I enjoy talking to you so much. I'm like, can we do this weekly? (laughs) Uh, if we work something out like that, yes, I can. I would Wouldn't love to do great? it. Um, and then that way you can keep checking you, on my progress. Absolutely. What I want to tell you is, though, there's always a way to work around everything. So if you have a smart trainer or you have the natural intuition, um, go with that. And if you are ever working with someone and they're like, oh, you can't do a push-up, okay, let's let's go work the legs. They're an idiot. They don't understand anatomy or physiology Fire those motherfuckers and get someone else because there's so many ways to work around that. You know what I was also thinking too for you when you were talking about sit-ups and twisting and mm-hmm. being on um, the floor. Are you doing your Turkish get-ups? No, I haven't been. That's a no. No, no. <laughs> I, you know what? I have every intention of always doing it and then I just don't. I go, man, those are fucking hard and I don't They're do them. So hard. I'm fucking, I'm a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. So here's. Here's what I want you to do. This is going to be your homework. Okay. Let's, we will do a check-in next week. Let's, let's count on that. Okay. Because I want you to do just half Turkish get-ups. Don't even go up to the feet because I just want you to work on your core a hundred percent. And even though the core will, and the rest of the body will synergistically work together to propel you all the way up. I want you to just work on the first movement, which is pushing up to that arm. Okay. Um, So work on that and keep do do three sets of like 10 of those and uh, i would love to hear your progress that's gonna make your core ripped i'm, I'm writing i'm writing this down yes Three homework <laughs> so yeah a lot of people think too like my online program or my lifestyle is just oh you're a raw foodist you you're not strong you don't work out you're just super spiritual yeah i'm spiritual as fuck straight up um (laughs) i am like a a hippy dippy trippy chick yeah but i understand how important it is for me to maintain my strength 
So when I'm older, one, I'm capable of doing the things I want to do, mm-hmm. travel, you know, move shit, do things, and also not be a burden on other people. Uh, what have you so, seen those uh that those grannies that been doing like bodybuilding and they're deadlifting like two twenty five and I mean there's someone's grandmother at like eighty deadlifting yeah. two twenty five and I'm like that's fucking awesome. That is badass, and that shows you what we're capable of. So people who neglect the body because they're like, oh, it's so egotistical. It's like, no, we're actually human beings. And as part of our human experience here on this planet, we were given an incredible circumstance. We have tactility in our fingers. We can jump. We can kick. We can run. We can lift. Why would you not take advantage of all the things the human body is capable of and not see how far you can push yourself? And do it by exploring. Yeah, it has nothing to do with ego. It has to do with how much you really respect yourself straight Mm -hmm. up. And it took me kind of a long time to wrap myself around that. But I've come to terms like it's not egotistical to look fucking great. It's not egotistical to be able to lift heavy shit. Thank God. Uh, There are people who are very egotistical in the fitness industry, but it's not you and it's not me. You know, It's, It's definitely not me. I mean, you can look at me and tell it's not me. I'm not doing this. I'm doing this to hopefully motivate somebody, some other fat guy like myself and say, hey, or even, you know, someone that's not as fat and just needs some motivation. Hey, if this really fat guy can do it, I can do it too. And the fact is we're all in this together. No two people are going to be alike. Of course, there's going to be similar stories and people will be able to identify with each other. But we have to remember, we have to have that unity consciousness. You and I, we don't even do the same thing. I don't do jujitsu. But you and I have come together and we can share this kind of message of hope. You know, there, everyone can improve. And no matter what it is, whether it's diet, whether it's, you know, grocery shopping, whether it's getting more active or like you've really shown me, even though you just moved, you just uprooted your whole life and the studio close to you is really small. You have still been able to maintain putting your fitness as a priority by doing what you can with what you have, letting no excuses take control of your life. So I'm like so proud of your ass. We're we're just trying, trying still, you know, every day is a struggle. I'll tell you that, Andrea. But you still do it, though. You know, you still do it. And people who say it's not a struggle or people who have never struggled, they're fucking liars. Really? You woke up perfect. You have no problems in your life. Your your diet's always amazing. Mm-hmm. You've always been happy with your stomach fat. Like, really, you like people need to keep it more real like you and I are keeping it. And I think the more real people there are out there doing things like you're doing, doing podcasts, letting people know you're not alone, letting people know, hey, we struggle too. Uh, it makes us more real and it makes them feel like they're part of this. Because when there's all these dumbass celebrities out there putting all these Photoshop pictures up or just showing their results, not showing the HCG they were taking, not showing the steroids they were taking, not showing the The plastic surgery they had, they weren't eating, you know, but just showing the results or the plastic surgery. um, It gives people this wrong impression that it should be effortless and it should just be a piece of cake. But the fact is, that's not life. And there's not a magic pill. No tea's going to do it, no, nothing. It's hard work. And... Oh, no, no tea's going to do that. And so I had to stop following a bunch of fitness accounts because they kept showing what their body looked like, but they didn't show what they were doing. And if you 
can't show me, if you're not here to help people um, get to your result, either you are not proud of your route of getting there mm-hmm. or two, you are just full of yourself so bad that you want to keep it all to yourself and just want likes. I, neither of those two people do I want to Or you want on. the money. Yeah. So I just stopped. Um, I had to really dig deep into my own kind of consciousness and say, you know, what? when I'm looking at Instagram, what am I looking at? Because everything is programming. It's like, what am I programming my brain with? So I follow people like you and other people who are... Thank you. ...that have humility, that are trying to help other people. Like, what you're doing with your clothing line, with your gear line, is absolutely phenomenal. And it's just baffling to me that it wasn't done sooner. And I'm just so grateful that there are people like you out there that are really trying to let the bigger collective of people know that you don't have to feel excluded because of your size. Like that's bullshit. And you're just tearing down those walls. Well, eating them too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but we've all, we've all been there and we've all had struggles. So I do want to let people know if, you know, I came on here to talk to Juan, we connected on Instagram after I was a guest on Joey Coco Diaz's podcast, but I want people to know I am, here to help i know my purpose uh on this on this planet and in this life is to help other people find the freedom from health and weight struggles like i found so please feel free to reach out to me follow her on instagram i try to respond it is super fit andrea right super fit by By andrea.com is my website super fit by andrea is my fitness Instagram and um, if anyone does decide to work with me that heard this podcast uh, mention it and I'll, I'll give you a significant discount oh that's awesome thank you thank <laughs> you for yeah that's awesome I appreciate I want that to Andrea. help people it's my purpose to help people obviously I can't work for free but if I could I would um, but I, I would love to help as many people as possible and we don't have to agree on everything for you to have an open mind. And that's all I ask for my clients. Just keep an open mind and trust the process. So I uh, I really do want to talk to you next week. I want to hear how those Turkish We will set that up. Came along. And um, also, if you want to start maybe dabbling a little bit more raw food. I will. Uh, I'm gonna start I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start tagging you when I when I make some raw food. If I love I can that. try to make it this weekend, I promise I'm gonna try. And remember, it's easy. Eat a fucking apple. Have a grapefruit. Eat a cut a watermelon in half and eat that bitch with a spoon. It's so easy to eat raw. We'll we'll start that. I'll start eating more raw. I promise. All right, love. I'm so so to talk to you. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you for on, thank you for coming on. Thank you for staying extra. Love I'm you, Andrea. And enjoy the rest of your podcast. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye bye.